Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Dan Schultz, and this is episode 97 of the Basketball Dan podcast. Haven't done one of these in a while, mainly because of the fact that I had an issue with the original app that I was using to record the first 96 episodes called GarageBand. Um, Long story short, basically, I had a tough time logging into to that via my my Facebook account and all that stuff. So anyway, I don't want to bore you with the details, but I got a new podcast format. I'm now recording on my computer. I'm doing it now with a microphone that one of my friends, uh, Sean, lent to me. And um, hopefully the sound quality will be a little bit better as a result. Hopefully it's not too loud in your ears. As I said, this is the first one I'm, I'm doing in this format. Uh, so I wanted to do another episode. It's been a while, and I know I say that a lot. But the NBA is back. First round is well underway. A couple of the series are already over. The Celtics swept the Sixers four to nothing, and the uh, Raptors beat the Nets four to nothing. I want to talk about the Sixers because, like I said before, I live in the Philadelphia area, and I have a lot of friends of mine that are Sixers fans. And the general notion, once again, with the Sixers is just overall disappointment. There is no reason whatsoever that a team with this much talent, even with Ben Simmons, not being available to play in this first round, there is no reason whatsoever that this team should have been swept in the first round, yet alone, I mean, they they should have at least gotten to the second round or the Eastern Conference Finals. And the Sixers made the right decision yesterday to fire Brett Brown. He had a lot of time to get it right, and he even admitted after game four that he did not utilize the talent correctly. But I don't know why more blame isn't going on Elton Brand for some of the moves that he's made, including signing Tobias Harris to a max deal. I get it from the sense of they were losing Jimmy Butler and they couldn't afford to lose Harrison Butler, but I was always suspicious about Tobias. With When it comes to the playoffs, he just seems like a player that disappears. He seems like he's a great regular season player, but I just I, I don't trust that guy in the playoffs yet. And then Al Horford, the move was an interesting one when it happened. But in the end, it's proven to be an absolute disaster. He doesn't fit well next to Embiid. You're playing two centers next to each other in a day and age where it's small ball. No one's really playing big guys like that. And as a result, they're getting caught on mismatches all the time, especially in pick and rolls where... Horford and Embiid are both, they're pretty athletic, but it's just tough to stay with those younger, younger, more agile, quicker guys. And the Sixers were just an absolute mess. I don't really know what their offense was. Joel Embiid, uh, I'm, I'm very disappointed with. He has the, the talent to be the most dominant player in the NBA. And I think it's a combination of the Sixers game plan deviating all over the place, but also he needs to take some heat for being passive. He he will just he'll start out putting up like 11, 12, 13 points in, in the first quarter or whatever, and then he'll just start drifting out to the perimeter or starting or trying to establish himself way too far away from the basket. And um, just overall very disappointing. I'm, I'm even more disappointed that the, the rumor right now to replace Brett Brown would be Tyron Lue, who I've never been a fan of. And I actually I said something on Twitter the other day about it, and a lot of people – were giving me crap and, and acting like Tyron Lue was like this established coach. It, it was almost like 
it was it was like funny to me. Like people were acting like I was being ridiculous for calling him like kind of a yes man, kind of like, hey, like, yeah, I just want to keep my star players happy, which I just always got that impression. You know, maybe it's an oversimplification for whatever team LeBron is on, that that's the kind of role the coach gets assigned. But I was never really impressed with Tyron Lewis, the Cavs coach. And I felt like the general consensus when in his, his final days at Cleveland a couple of years ago was that, yeah, this guy, he's he's OK, but he's nothing special. And, and I agreed with that synopsis. But for whatever reason, people are acting right now, at least with my interactions, that uh, that he's a very good coach, which if he's a very good coach, I don't know why someone didn't snatch him up right away when he got fired two years ago. So I, I am I would be a much bigger fan if the Sixers hired Kenny Atkinson, who I felt got railroaded in Brooklyn. He was doing a very good job there. And Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant just seemed like two players that – are very difficult to please at times, and um, I thought I thought Kenny Atkinson did a very good job there. Either him or Imi Udoka, uh, former Spurs assistant who was the top assistant at the at the Sixers uh, right now. Uh, I, I would not be against giving him a chance, but I just I don't know. I'm just I'm not a big fan of Tyron Lue, um, but I will not be shocked if that's the uh, the route the Sixers choose to go. And the final thing I'll say is it looks like they're not going to trade Embiid or Simmons. Elton Brand said he's going to try to build around them. It's like, dude, you just tried to do that and you failed. So you better do a much better job this time around, or you're going to have to find you're going to have to trade one or the other at some point soon if if you're not able to build around them correctly again. So just overall frustration, disappointment with the Sixers. Um, long story short, they basically took what Sam Hinkie set up and they completely bungled it. Sam Hinkie. Did a, did a good job establishing this team for the future. Did he do a perfect job with it? No. But, um, yeah, I, I think the, the Sixers should have done much better in the playoffs. Um, another series, uh, well, I mean, all the first-round series, as I said, are going on right now. And uh, the Lakers have looked very strong after dropping game one to the Blazers. And I, I predicted Blazers in six. I thought – the combination of the momentum they had, as well as Damian Lillard playing like an MVP candidate after they won game one and everything, I was like, yeah, my prediction's looking pretty good right now. But the Lakers have responded. They look very good. And can we finally just all admit that Anthony Davis is the best player on the Lakers now? I don't know why. It, it just seems to be like, oh, it's LeBron. You know, LeBron has been the best player for what, like eight, nine years, maybe even longer in some people's minds. I'm sorry. He's not the best player anymore. Anthony Davis is the best player on the Lakers. He led the Lakers in pretty much every statistical category this past regular season, and he's looked incredible so far in these playoffs. Um, so I think we need to establish the narrative that, you know, Anthony Davis is the best player on the Lakers, and LeBron, very questionable if he's still the best player in the league. doesn't mean he's still not a top three, top four talent, but, you know, when you throw in guys like Kawhi Leonard and Davis and um, even James Harden and all that, like, I don't, I don't see LeBron as the best player anymore. Maybe, maybe that's just me. But uh, the Lakers look good so far. Uh, obviously, as a, a Spurs fan, I'm, I'm going to root against them naturally because they were rivals with my team for a while. But we'll just have to see. Speaking of the Los Angeles teams, the Clippers have looked pretty shaky in these playoffs. And the, the main source of ire, if you will, is Paul George. Paul George has... I don't even know how he, did he get the name Playoff P for when he played for the Pacers when he had that really good series against the Heat in like 2013. Is that how he got that nickname? I, I now people are calling him all kind of you know like 
uh, pandemic P and stuff like that, like because he hasn't he's looked terrible in these first four games. He has not looked good, and uh, it looks like Kawhi is just doing this all by himself basically. And I'm I'm really wondering if he's like regretting leaving Toronto right now because he's really not getting a lot of help. He's having to put this team on his back. And the Mavericks somehow overcame a 21-point deficit in Game 4 and beat the Clippers at the buzzer due to a Luka Doncic 3. And uh, Luka Doncic, I've been on his train ever since the beginning. I, I have never understood why Ayton and Bagley uh, went in front of him personally. And I know there was someone else I was picking in front of him, but I'm drawing a blank right now. But Doncic has, has been a beast for a long time. He's been a professional basketball player even before he got to the NBA. So he's he's ready for these moments. Unfortunately, game five is tonight between the Clippers and the Mavs, and I don't see I, – I would be shocked if Doncic is able to do it again because he basically had to put the Mavs on his back. Like I said before about the Mavs, Doncic and Porzingis are great, obviously, but the drop-off from those two great players to their next best player is like Tim Hardaway Jr., and I'm just not as impressed with the overall depth on the Mavs. So I'm shocked that it's 2-2. I still have Clippers winning this in six. But um, Doncic has, has, uh, has been very fun to watch. And I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the Mavs. As a Spurs fan, obviously, I'm going to be rooting against Kawhi. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to root for the Mavs, which is weird because they've been a rival of the Spurs also for a long time. But I love watching Luka Doncic play. And... Uh, I mean, the solution for the Clippers was is pretty easy. Paul George has to play like he should be playing. How, for what he's getting paid, he should be playing so much better than he is right now. Uh, it's been really, really shocking to watch, in all honesty. One storyline that I don't think is getting enough attention. It's starting to gain a little momentum. But even though they just swept the Nets, why, isn't, why aren't the Toronto Raptors being talked about as a viable contender to win the championship? Is it because they don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore? Because they proved during the regular season that they were a force of nature. I forget how many games. They won a ton of games in a row. Like Nick Nurse is the best coach in the NBA, which is crazy to say about a coach that hasn't even been in the league for two years yet. I mean, Nick Nurse was hired as the Raptors coach last season and won a championship in his first season with, with the Raptors. So, I mean, I think he's the best coach in the NBA to lose Kawhi Leonard and to basically replace that production. And the, the Raptors player development staff deserves a lot of credit too. I mean, Pascal Siakam has taken another leap. Players like Fred Van Fleet stepping up. I like OG Ananobi. Uh, nice veterans like Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, Kyle, Kyle Lowry. I like this Raptors team. And I know that the Bucks right now are the, uh, the sexier choice, if you will. To win it all, but even though the Bucks are going to win their first round series, I'm so concerned about Giannis in the clutch. As crazy as that sounds, Giannis. A lot of people think he might be the best player in the NBA. It's you know you could definitely make a case for that, but I don't know. Like I was, I remember being concerned about his performance last year when um, when when he was playing the Raptors and the Bucks won the first two games and then they kind of fell apart and they lost four straight. And I still just have I have reservations regarding Giannis when it when the games get bigger and all that because let's face it he still can't really shoot that well, and 
some of these some of these other players on the Bucks, like Eric Bledsoe, I still don't really trust him that much. Middleton has looked pretty shaky. I think the Bucks are still going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I got to say, right now, I'm starting to lean more and more towards the Toronto Raptors as being the representative of the East. I just think, even though they probably don't have as much talent as the Bucks, they're much better poised. These guys just want to ring, and they kind of have this underdog slash chip on their shoulder of like, really? You really think we can't get back to the finals? You really think we can't win it all? You know, we love Kawhi. We won, We get. We lost him, but we still got some really, really good players on this team, and we're going to show you guys that we should be taken seriously. This is still our championship, and we're still going to defend it. And for that reason, as well as the veteran experience on the Raptors, I if, if the Bucks and Raptors meet up in the Eastern Conference Finals, which I think is a high possibility, I'm going to say Raptors in six tentatively, but we'll see how things go along, if guys get hurt, all that stuff. Um, by the way, overall, like brief segue, the bubble has worked out extremely well. I, I thought it was going to be a disaster. I thought guys were going to get infected, and uh, that's not a knock on the NBA. It's just like we're still trying to figure out this virus as we go along. But the NBA has done a, an exceptional job with uh, – keeping this season going. I mean, repeatedly zero cases, zero positive cases of coronavirus so far, knock on wood, and we're almost to the second round of the playoffs. So it's looking very, very optimistic that they'll be able to finish this season. I don't know what's going to happen with next season, but give Adam Silver and all those guys a lot of credit because this 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 is a Herculean effort on their part to get the reg- regular season done, and now we're getting deeper into the playoffs. And it's just, it's so unique to watch sports in August when it's super hot out and you feel like you should be getting ready or just watching baseball or be getting ready for the football season and all that stuff. And it feels almost surreal to be watching playoff basketball in August. So it's it's a u- unique re- uh, experience that I'll definitely remember. And um, it's been it's been something I've, I've looked forward to because usually during the summers, I don't really follow baseball that closely. And... Um, there's really just nothing to watch sports-wise. So it's – and the sense of sports being back after being gone for so long as well as the NBA taking place during the summer, it's been like almost two times the fun, if that makes sense. So the last thing I'll talk about, not to be too uh, pandering to whatever Spurs audience I have, if I have any at all, but um, there's a rumor out there that – and I've, I've heard this before. I heard this like months ago that the uh, Brooklyn Nets are aggressively chasing Greg Popovich and going to try to make him uh, their next head coach. It's an interesting move. Sean Marks, the GM of the Nets, he worked in both the front office and was an assistant coach with the Spurs during their 2014 title. He was also a former player. He was kind of like a Brian Scalabrini-esque kind of player that didn't really play. He was like a victory cigar player you kind of put in in the final minutes of a blowout or something like that. But He's proven to be a very good GM so far. With that said, I would I I think Pop is closer to retirement than he is joining another team. And that's not just me being a Spurs fan, but I've said for the last couple of years, I felt like he was, and this is just my best guess, but I, I felt like he was ready to retire probably a couple of years ago when his wife passed away. And then the whole Kawhi stuff happened, and he felt like he needed to kind of right the ship a little bit and stabilize things and not deliver too destructive devastating blows to the organization he helped build by their star player leaving and then their coach retiring. So that's that's just my half-baked theory. 
But I got to say, 71 years old, for him being there 23, 24 years, almost a quarter of a century, I would be very surprised if he leaves. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I just don't know what coach is going to want to deal with Kyrie Irving shenanigans, to be honest. I mean, Kyrie's a great player. KD's a great player. But Kyrie, in the past, has proven to be very bipolar and just very hard to coach. And I just think at 71 years old, Pop doesn't want to do that. Maybe he wants to go for another ring or two. And yeah, he has a better chance of doing that in Brooklyn. Absolutely. But in terms of knowing that his legacy is already set as arguably the best coach of all time, and the fact that the Spurs have a lot of young talent on this team, that might be a more fun job for him as opposed to dealing with two somewhat prima donnas who I don't even know if KD and Kyrie are going to work together when they finally play. Just because Kyrie is very hard to get along with. He wants to be Batman when he really is better suited to be a Robin, especially to a LeBron or a Kevin Durant type. So, gun in my head, I see Pop staying. I wouldn't be shocked if he left, if he wanted to chase another ring or two, but he just doesn't strike me as that. I wouldn't judge him if he did that. Um, with that said, I, I wasn't very, I, I'd obviously like him to stay. I, I wasn't very impressed with his coaching job this past year for the Spurs. The fact that it took him like 60 games to figure out that Lonnie Walker is a pretty good basketball player and he should start him and that Bryn Forbes is a complete liability on defense despite being a hot and cold shooter. When he gets hot, he's really good, but that doesn't, that happens like once every like six games. I was pretty frustrated with that. I don't know why guys like Kelvin Johnson were buried on the bench, and then when they played in the bubble, they busted out. I just think he could have done a better job giving some of those younger guys more experience early on. Spurs came close to getting a playoff spot in the bubble. Um, their 22-year streak of making the playoffs was, was busted, uh, unfortunately. But, you know, at the same time, um, it kind of needed to happen. I still don't know why they didn't tank just a little bit more to get They got the number 11 pick in the draft. We'll see what they do with it. But ultimately, I, yeah, I was pretty I was pretty disappointed with Pop's coaching job this past year. You can't really pin too much of it last year because of the Kawhi thing and all that. But um, with that said, obviously, I'd still like him to stay. I still think he's arguably the best coach of all time, given the market he's coached in and the way he's been able to do way more with way less compared to other coaches like Phil Jackson and Red Auerbach and all that, like not knocking those guys. But, you know, I mean, Phil Jackson came in when this, his stars were already established. And, yes, he had to manage egos and all that. But Pop really, in addition to coaching uh, really good players, he also had a huge hand in developing those players into stars before they became what they ultimately became. So that's my argument for his overall GOAT status, if you will. So anyway, those are the big topics now that I have this podcast thing figured out. Um, hopefully I'll, I'll do more of these. As always, thank you for listening to Basketball Dan. This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, um, Spotify as well. I really appreciate anyone listening. And um, if you know anyone that you feel would like this podcast, please feel free to pass it on. And uh rate and subscribe and all that stuff. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, so thanks as always. And uh, hopefully I'll be back soon to do another one. Thanks. Bye.